Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio from the CEP Network. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button and give us that five-star rating. Maybe even leave a review to let others know what you think of the show. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about the variety that you get right here on the CEP Network. The CEP Network now has a promo code for one of the best nutrition and supplement companies in the business for you to use. Just go to truenutrition.com, look at all their great products, place your order, and when you go to make your payment, type in CEPN in the promo code box for 5% off of your entire order. It's that easy. What are your goals? Are you looking to gain muscle? Are you looking to lose fat? Are you looking for an energy supplement? Heck, maybe you're looking for a place to make your own custom smoothie or oatmeal. Well, look no further than True Nutrition. They have everything you need with the best quality ingredients. There are a million supplement companies out there selling a million different supplements, and I know it's hard to choose. Marketing has a lot to do with the decision that most people make. A lot of people will go with the one with the cooler label without even looking at the ingredients. Well, the cool thing about True Nutrition is that they don't try to hide behind a label. They take the money from the appealing marketing, and they put it into the supplements to bring you the best product possible. Again, C-E-P-N in the promo code box. If you would like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach out on the social medias. You can reach us on the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast Network's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. And if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or topics you would like to get your thoughts on, don't hesitate to reach out. Now, let's get into the episode. Well, hello there. Welcome to another episode of Raised on the Radio. I am one half of the show. I am Colt Brocato. My good friend Patrick Blair in Skype land. Uh, no, not Skype, sorry. Zoom land as usual. What? Nothing? That's it? the same thing. So, yeah. I mean, you could you could make up a new application now and people would go, oh yeah, that one of those things that people use. Well, yeah, you say the same thing, but you highly recommend one over the other. Or you don't recommend either. I do. One of the two. I don't, yeah, I don't. No. I wouldn't recommend anyone use them, especially now. <laughs> I'm tired of progressive insurance commercials being via Zoom. I'm tired <laughs> of all that stuff. I'm over it. Isn't that kind of crazy? Uh, no, it's not at all. Did I send you the trailer to that movie, the the Michael Bay produced movie about COVID? Didn't I send that to you? I don't think so. I don't remember what it's called, but I sent you the trailer. I'm pretty sure I did. But there's a movie coming out that is about COVID, essentially. It's not called like the disease in the or the virus in the movie. It's not called COVID nineteen, but it's all about how the government shuts down the country and you can't go anywhere and you have no rights anymore and this and that. So they, it's like, arrest it's, you like. So it's turning what's going on right now into a legit horror movie, basically. I don't know if I would call it a horror movie though. I would probably call it like a sci-fi thriller. And I don't even know if it's science fiction. I would maybe just call it a thriller, but think of like if Minority Report had a virus. It's kind of what we're dealing with. Huh. That's just what I got from the three minutes I watched of the trailer or two and a half minutes or whatever it was. But I remember whoever posted it on Twitter was like, I can't fucking believe this, how irresponsible, like this is bullshit. And I kind of was like, well, I haven't seen it yet, so let me watch it. And then I watched it, and I go, what do the makers of this movie know that we, the general public, don't know right now? Because this is a little <laughs> bit weird. Like, <laughs> Then my wife and I were talking about it. Well, like, obviously, they could have gone into post-production and inserted said dialogue and said vernacular and all these things that perhaps they were making a movie, right, pre-COVID, Right. And it was pretty much wrapped, but with the use of stupid things like Zoom and Skype, they were able to shoot some new scenes and kind of re-edit the movie to be about what's currently going on with this virus. Um, yeah, I actually... I, that's, that's just the way that we saw it, but... That should have been the first thing that popped in my head, and it wasn't. I wasn't thinking, like, if there's a trailer out for this, that means they've been working on this for a while, which means pre-COVID. Well, that's kind of what I said, too. But my wife was like, well, most of the movies shot via FaceTime or Zoom or like all the scenes we saw. Now, there were other scenes where they're like in an apartment building and the police come to take this fucking old lady away because she's sick. And, you know, obviously that's shot 
normally, but like, so she said with the addition of all of those scenes where it's like some, it's FaceTime or it's shot, like it's, uh, you know, a zoom meeting or something, it probably was pretty easy to do. And maybe perhaps it didn't take that long. Um, I'm looking it up now because I got to know what it's called so I can direct you to it to watch it. Are Songbird you- is what it's called. Weird. Holy shit. Listen to this. Immune to the COVID-23 virus, a courier races against time to save the woman he loves from a quarantine camp. So they call it COVID-23. Mm. Somebody's going to get fired. Weird. Somebody's going to get sued. You think? I don't know. George Lucas going to sue somebody. <laughs> um, I, 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 that's weird. That's super weird. I, but, well, look, so the person who posted it was like, this is bullshit. This is irresponsible. Fuck Michael Bay, all this shit. And I watched the trailer and I was like, you know what? I'm a little bit intrigued. I'm a little bit intrigued because all of these conspiracy theorists that you and I know of have been preaching this shit since the beginning. Right. And by the beginning, the beginning of COVID-19 about how the government's trying to take your rights away. And forget about anti-maskers. I'm not talking about anti-maskers. I'm talking about your physical rights to leave your home, your physical rights to go to work and earn a living. You know, those those conspiracy theorists have been, you know, spouting that shit off since the start of this. So when I saw the trailer, I was like, whoa, how happy are these motherfuckers? Like, they got to be seeing this going. I've been saying, you know, they got to be like screaming at the, the their phone screen or computer screen whatever however they're watching this um so it's a paramount pictures production produced by michael bay and directed by adam mason i don't know who that is i'm curious to see who that is are you a michael bay guy no i didn't i didn't assume so i'm glad you asked that because i'm gonna go to his imdb next because there are movies that i have liked (laughs) but i'm gonna say vast majority no um adam more uh, adam mason he did blood river the devil's chair he did an mma movie called blood sweat and terrors not sure i want to know what that is so it looks like he's done a lot of b horror related stuff that sounds like that would you say the name of that was blood sweat and terrors yeah so I think it's an MMA horror movie, which makes me blood red angry. But are you intrigued? Because now, th- not at all. Uh, not not until you one <laughs> smidget of intrigue. <laughs> I wasn't at first, but then you said oh. horror, and I was like, wait a second. That could be. I, I, I just want to know what 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 direction he, they went with it. Like, where's the horror? Uh, yeah. You want me to look up a, a synopsis of this movie? Kinda. Blood, sweat, and terrors. Nine blood-soaked, ass-kicking tales of action and horror. That's all it says. <laughs> I'm sure it's great. So one of these movies looks familiar to me. It's called Luster. I remember reading about this, but I did obviously didn't see it. But a troubled businessman trying to make sense of a life out of control discovers that the man working against him is another side of his own personality as he fights back against his manipul- manipulative alter ego Murder, madness, and mayhem ensue. I remember reading about that somewhere. I mean, that movie came out in 2010. So, um, yeah. So he's done a lot of B horror stuff. So, but I'll be honest the the production value of this movie, aside from the FaceTime stuff I'm talking about or whatever, it looked looked really good. It looked like a Michael Bay film. We'll right. just say that. Um, let me go back. Let me find Michael Bay phase imdb now because i gotta i'm gonna i'm gonna name so you ask because i would imagine can i guess your favorite michael bay movie i know what you're gonna say but i it, no you don't no you don't yes i do just let me say it don't say it. ruin my joke say man. It. you did it. say it i'm gonna guess your favorite michael bay movie is pain and game hmm i don't know oh it was a good, it was a good guess it was a good guess but i i don't i don't know to be honest, I, I don't know if I could pick a favorite. And that, that okay. doesn't, and I'm not saying that because I love all of them. I'm just saying that I don't know that I could pick like 
one. How, how many? I've... How many do you think you can name? I don't know. Well, let me ask this. So his his most recent one. I could at, le- I could at least name seventeen. I, I could at least name seventeen of them because that's all Transformers movies, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> did you um, <laughs> did you see Six Underground? It was a Netflix movie with Ryan Reynolds. I know. I did not see it. That movie was fantastic. Was it really? So when you said, "Are you?" Yes, it was. It was great. Um, so I, I've seen that and I liked it. Thirteen Hours was a great movie. So I like that one. I, I, I've seen the first Transformers. I haven't seen any of them since. Okay. And, you know, that movie, it was what it was. Didn't hate it. Didn't love it. It was whatever. Um, I've seen Pain and Gain, unfortunately. No, I did not like it. Trying to see. Oh, that's right. He did Bad Boys. All of them? Yeah. Well, how many are there? I thought there was just two. Didn't they just make one that just came out too? Oh, well, I don't know. It's not on his IMDb, so maybe he was just a producer. Bad Boys 2 was a steaming pile of shit. (laughs) Bad Boys 1 was awesome. (laughs) I love that movie. Pearl Harbor was terrible. Armageddon, I mean, need I say more? So I did like The Rock. Do you like the movie The Rock? It's been a very long time since I've seen it, yeah. I love that movie. That's like nostalgic for me. Uh, he did all of the meatloaf movies and videos. I had no idea. Who would have known? I guess he was a music video director. I did not know that. Hey, while we're, while we're talking about movies, were you a fan of Sean Connery? I'm not wearing any pantries. Um. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean... I don't like all of the Bond movies he did because he, like Transformers, did like 17 of them. But there were a couple that I really liked. Um, And then like from there, like, I mean, I'm trying to think of like, I mean, I like The Rock, obviously. Right. I loved, I loved him in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That's actually one of my favorite movies ever. I love that movie. Um, So I would say yes. You know, but he took like a long break after like doing James Bond and then like after he did like The Rock and movies like that, took another break and then did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is not a good movie. I don't even know if you've seen that, but. um... So Michael Bay, I don't know what this is. Do you know what the island is? Uh, 2005. I don't know off the top of my head what it is. I know I've heard of it. A man living in a futuristic sterile colony begins to question his circumscribed existence when his friend is chosen to go to the island, the last uncontaminated place on Earth. Starring Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Joe. I have no idea what that is. Hmm. Wait, what was the other um, one? Was there was there a movie called Shutter Island? Shutter Island. Who that's was DiCaprio. That's what I thought. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I'm getting those two confused in my head or not. Yeah. Just by the two name completely itself. Different things. <laughs> so I guess Bad Boys was like his first big feature film. Huh. You know, and it seems like recently I heard who was supposed to play the parts of that besides Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, but I can't remember who it was. Pretty sure it was two white guys. Well, that's fucking rude. Who who thought that was a good idea? I don't know. But if you have your Google machine in Hold front on, of I'm you, gonna Google, Google bad, I'm going to Google bad boys, three white guys. Well, I don't know about the you third one. The third one would be just the one what? that just came out, right? Okay, I'm going to Google bad boys movie, white guys. Is it Ben Affleck and Matt Damon? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think so. I think it was more like uh so, like off the wall, more I want to say more comedian like, but I can't remember who it was. I'm not I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing here. anything. Okay. Well, maybe I'm crazy. 
Maybe it was no. a different movie I'm thinking of. Either way, I think so. Either way, I'm glad so. they so picked Michael the Bay two that they did. As a pro- yeah. So Michael Bay as a producer, beyond what he directed, he produced A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2. The Purge election year. He did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadows. He only wait. Hang Michael on. Bay's got some money, huh? He only did one of the Purge movies. No, he did the Purge, Anarchy, the Purge. How many are there? I've never even seen them. I know I've not seen any. I of think those I've ones. only seen the first one, but I I knew there was more than one. I'd say it's kind of weird to me if he only did like one of them and not the first one. Yeah, he's produced a lot of shit, too. He did the Amityville, Amityville Horror movie in 2005. actually really like that movie. Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 2003. The Hitcher. Friday the 13th in 2009. A Nightmare on Elm Street 2010. I have not seen any of those movies, but... Anyway. How the hell did we start talking a, that about That was a this? heck of a rabbit hole we just went down. Oh, the, the COVID, the COVID movie. Um, I'm sure all of his haters are going to come out of the woodwork on this one to voice their opinion on how this was in poor taste to make a movie like this. Um, I, I mean, didn't a 9-11 movie come out like six months after it happened? I don't know. Did it? Like, yeah, I don't know. The Nick, Nicolas Cage is in it. And he plays a fireman, and I the swear world, it came out like it's called. It's called World Trade Center, but I don't know when it came out. Yeah, uh, it, maybe it came out. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but let's look. But see that I think that's a we gotta, li- we think- got to be like Joe Rogan and fact check everything now, <laughs> so we don't get censored by our our company. Okay, right. We'll get into that in a minute. I think it's a that World um, Trade Center movie though is a little different because. It's like a, it's not a documentary, but it's like a story, like a real life story that happened told from one person's perspective, which would be that firefighter, of course. Yeah. Okay. I was really wrong. It came out in 2006. I mean, that was close. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I remember something coming out. (laughs) Too soon, bro. Too soon. (laughs) What do I know? (laughs) So, yeah, I. why did we bring that up? Why did I bring up that movie? It doesn't matter. The important thing is, is you, because you didn't watch that trailer that I sent you because you were out voting, yes? No, sir. Yesterday? I was not. And I don't, I don't think you were either because I didn't see your sticker on Instagram. Did you post it on Save Instagram? It for the best part. Boom, right bitch. on your forehead. That's perfect. How do you how do you like me now? I like it. Saved it for the podcast. All right. I pre- I appreciate that. That means a lot. Who needs Instagram? <laughs> um. So do you have a do you have a, a some sort of wise ass explanation as to why you didn't vote, or were you just too busy to be a patriot and a model citizen? In all honesty. And this is probably going to sound shitty on my part, but I just politics are not my thing. And I know I I understand. Okay, go ahead. Go Go ahead. ahead. Let's hear. No, 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 no. I really don't have much farther to go than that. I just politics are not my thing. And when it comes to the research and all that good stuff that it would that for me to feel comfortable to go and vote for people, I have not taken the time to do that. So to okay. me, it would be a disservice to go and vote for someone just based off of what I get from the media and no research. Now, is that on me for not doing the research to do that? Probably. However, that's where I stand. What stand-up comedian or podcaster told you that was a good thing to say or a good idea? Do what now? 
What are you talking Never about? Never mind. So, let me let me <laughs> no, say this. No, explain that joke. Um, what are you talking? What are you talking about? While while I find it admirable admirable that you had such a lengthy answer to the question, I don't think you have to be into politics to vote. Let me ask you this: Do you go to work every day? Yes, sir. Do you own your house? I do. You own a car? I do. So you probably pay taxes. Correct. So then you're into politics. Because if you weren't, you would say, fuck you, and you wouldn't pay your taxes. Right? I mean, I don't want to go to jail. There you go. So you're into politics. (laughs) So you should vote. (laughs) I hate to put it like that, but for real, if you want to break it down to... I get what you're saying. You're not you're not the first person who has said that to me. And believe me, I'm not going to tell you that you're an asshole because you didn't vote. And I'm not going to tell you that you should get into politics because believe me, it's gross. Right versus left, red versus blue, Republican versus Democrat. The way that things are right now, it's gross. Um, but you don't need to be a part of either of those things to feel like you are... Um, you are exploring the idea that you have rights, I guess is the easiest way to put that. Um, so like I said, what you're not the first person, you're not going to be the last person, but believe me, you are in everyone is into politics in some way, shape or form. They may just not know it. Everyone thinks they have to be a political science major and have to follow this shit every day to well so, so to i talk about the issues or go but I, I get it i get it but i think i think what you're it's saying that, it's you're, that anxiety you have but you're saying in you're saying that you're into politics but what you're really saying is you're tied to politics whether you want to be or not you're tied to it not you're involved in it does that make sense because i pay taxes because i own a house because i go to work every day i'm tied to politics whether I want to be or not. Sure. You just switched up the words, but yeah, you basically yes. said the same thing I yes. just said with a different word. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but to yeah, me, it makes absolutely. more sense. To me, it makes more sense. I, okay. As long as you're on board. Um, <laughs> ha- and you don't have to answer this. Have you ever voted? Yes, I have. You have. Which Correct. election? The last one? No, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yes. It was. Okay. Uh, Bush Obama. Bush Obama. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you. Well, that was a, that was a captivating time to vote for sure. It was a historic time. So I get it. So, um, so as far as voting goes, have, have you seen a lot of the controversy going on today? Like if you, I, I'm assuming you're, yeah, you're, man, I've, you're a major Twitter guy. I'm sure Twitter is blowing up with controversy all day long. Yeah. Yeah. I've been kind of busy today, so I haven't been on Twitter as much when I, I woke up at like four 30 this morning. And I'll be honest. I didn't sleep last night. Um, aside from a crying baby, most of the night I had the television on uh, <laughs> essentially a loop, a political loop trying to keep up with the numbers. And I was curious about stuff in, in my own state outside of just the presidential race. So I was up, I honestly was up probably twice an hour and I would just, if I wasn't tending to a crying baby, I was, you know, watching the TV. Um, so I was like up, up at like, I don't know, quarter to five. Um, and then for, you know, a solid hour and a half, two hours, I watched all of the hoopla and the the predictions and the science behind it. Um, so have you heard, have you heard then, the, the whole Wisconsin situation? I have, I have. That's kind of incredible, oh. right? They have a, I think it's a, they were saying 101% turnout yeah, as far as I, votes go, because they have more votes by like 30 something thousand votes. They have yeah, more, they have more well, votes than they have registered voters. So that means that everyone that is registered to vote in Wisconsin voted plus more. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> um, it is incredible, but however, we shouldn't be that surprised because this, these, these floods happen every election, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I think last last year it took three weeks to get Michigan's numbers, if I remember last year. I mean, last election, I believe it took three weeks to get Michigan's total numbers in. I think there's something going on with Michigan absurd. too, right? Isn't there some kind there of... There is. Con- there always is. Well, I mean, Michigan's like going to Beirut. It's terrible. Something like 138,000 uh, ballots or something came in overnight for Michigan and somehow they were all for Biden. Something along those lines. Yeah. Well, the story, the story about Michigan has changed quite a bit. Um, and I apologize to Michigan residents. Um, many cities in Michigan are like Beirut. So getting votes to come out of those cities and getting those tallied up correctly, I'm sure is a, a challenge. I pity the poor people that have to do that. Um, I've, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's changed. Well, the, the, okay. So here's the odd thing. And this is where I get confused every time. And this is why I understand why people don't get into this because it is confusing. And if you try to pay attention and you, once you finally feel like you have a firm grasp, something happens or something is said and it's contradicted and you go, well, what, what, what? I mean, you're playing catch up. <laughs> so last night I heard multiple people, um, and not just on conservative stations, multiple people across the board say that if Trump won Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Texas, landslide, landslide victory. Now, he's done those things, and it is nowhere close to being a landslide victory. Right. So now I'm waiting for the contradiction to happen and those people to correct it. No, they never mention it again. I'm like, well, how do you get away with saying that and making that (laughs) prediction if it's not even close to being true? And maybe I missed something. Let me just go ahead and pull it up because I got it right here. I've been, you know, watching this as, like I said, since I voted yesterday, essentially. Well, since like 6 p.m. our time. So Trump, Florida, Texas. So Pennsylvania is one of the swing states. There are 20 electoral votes and only 86% is reported, but he's up roughly 5%. So he's got Texas, got Florida. Right now has Pennsylvania in his on the cusp of winning Pennsylvania and he won Ohio. So again, they said with all of those states together, he should have just run away with a, a victory. Right. And again, so this is saying Joe Biden's up to 248, Trump's 214. Well, either way. Um, so yeah, I, I back to the original. I understand why you say you're not into it and you have good reason. Believe me. Um, I am fascinated, but I am fascinated by it all. Well, I think it's gross to be left versus right. And most of the people that get involved in it because of that are gross. I'm still come election time. And in how this whole process is just, even though it seems crooked, it's still fascinating to me. Yeah. You know, especially with a guy like Donald Trump, who is not a politician, you know, he's going up against a career politician um, who's a populist going up against a career politician now for the second time in a row. And he thinks he's got it all figured out. You know, like he's being (laughs) criticized for saying early on that he won, you know, and kind of blew up Twitter there for a minute. And he thinks he's got it all figured out. So it's fascinating to me that a guy like that thinks he can step in and sort of reinvent the wheel if you will i can't imagine how his ego is taking a hit right now like seeing that he's down in the polls yeah i've (laughs) he certainly has been quiet on on twitter because because, because that's the thing he's 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 got such an ego like i feel i really feel like he's probably got the biggest ego out of any president that we've had and um, yeah, for sure. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy to me to, to think, to think about like the things that he says, the things that he does. And it just, it like, even that kind of stuff feels like it's ego driven. Even if it, even if the stuff he posts on Twitter and stuff like that, it's oh, all, yeah. it's, it's all about like boosting his ego. And I'm like, what, what is going on okay. right now? That's so crazy. Do you, do you I, do, I would say you're you think, right. Do you think the president should be able to use Twitter? Or any social um, media? Well, <laughs> I don't think there's any way around it. Um, 
We're going down a conspiracy rabbit hole here, but I would say they have to because most of these larger companies own the government anyway. You know? Okay. Apple has more money than the government. Correct. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know what the numbers are as far as Google as a company goes, but I'm pretty sure Google has more money than the government. Pretty sure Facebook has more money than the government as it stands now. Just just liquid assets, right? Okay. So yeah, I, I don't know if there's a way around it. Now, could someone say no more? Could there be a bill passed? No more social media? Sure, but I, that's, you know, I don't think it'll, it'll happen. But to kind of answer what you said, I would say, yeah, on the surface, he's probably the most egotistical in my lifetime. But imagine imagine if social media were as big for the first part of you know george w bush's terms for his dad's for clinton's holy shit could you imagine now clinton's would young, be crazy yeah could you imagine young ass chasing bill clinton on social media dude shutting it down shutting it down um, and then I'm even thinking like Ronald Reagan on and that guy was an actor. Yes, yeah, you mean to tell s- me he wouldn't have taken advantage of you know social media like that? True. So I don't know, man. Here we are. Uh, so apparently Biden's winning the popular vote right now to basically fifty percent to forty eight percent, seventy nearly seventy one million votes in for Biden. Nearly sixty-eight million in for Trump. I'm not gonna lie; I'm surprised by a lot of it. But uh, so Nevada's still not in, but Biden's leading that. Biden's leading Michigan, and they are the last two uh, that Biden is potentially or has the potential to win. They're the last two states to come in. Um, and then, as far as the ones that Trump's leading in, we have Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania. Um, all relatively important while they are important swing states. So a lot could change still. We'll see. Going to need a big change though. I don't know. We'll see. But but everything I just said could have been contradicted in the last 10 seconds since I said it. So who knows? It's very true. But, um, well, I'm sad you didn't vote. Maybe next time. (laughs) <laughs> I got I got four years to think about it, right? You do. Isn't it? Okay, that, that's of- something that's blowing my mind too. Isn't it weird that Trump's already been in office for four years? It feels bizarre. It feels yes. like it was last year. It definitely does. It feels weird. That is so crazy. But I think that's a testament to his interaction with the public via social media. I think he has made the time fly by because of that. Okay. That is just an educated, that's just, that's, that's me reacting to how I feel like it just happened yesterday. All that time went by because to be honest with you, people would say what they want about him and what his decisions he's made. I'm not going to get into that because I'm sure there are strangers that do listen to this podcast. So I certainly don't want to give my political beliefs on this podcast. But the one thing I do know is he has made some of it entertaining. You cannot take that away from him. Whether you like him or not, he has kept you engaged somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but he has. And perhaps that's why the time has just flown by and and we didn't notice, you know? Yeah. Um, But that's, a lot of the people that voted for him the first time said I did it because he's not a politician, you know? Right. And there you have it. He certainly at times doesn't act like one. So yeah, I just don't know if that's the best reasoning. Careful now. (laughs) To some people, maybe to some people, maybe it is. I just, I feel like it's not. I hear you. I get it. However, I did not vote, and yeah, 
I don't necessarily have a reasoning why I did not. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll move on from that. Shame on you, but it's fine. But I do have I, I do have one last question though that's very important. How long did you oh. stand in line? Or did you vote early and did you get in and get out? I was there at 6 a.m. when the polls opened, and I waited in line for two hours and 18 minutes, I think is what I counted. Jeez. And I got there I got there at 10 till 6, and the line was already down the street. Wow. Yeah. So um, I knew I was going to stand in line. The good news is, is I walked because it was right by my house at this school. Okay. Um, and because I knew I was going to stand in line, I did dress warm because it was cold. Um, like shockingly cold because we haven't had that type of cold yet. So, you know, your body doesn't adjust, hasn't adjusted to it yet. So I had on wool socks. I had on boots. I had on, you know. <laughs> Thermal. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was layered up. So, yeah, no, it took me like over two hours to get in there. Dang. And I was actually number 77 to vote to vote at my polls. So to get 76 people in in front of me, it took two over two hours. That's crazy. Yeah. And my, my wife went at lunchtime and she waited 15 minutes. Really? Oh, that in, oh, got in and oh, out that fast. About, yeah. It's all about the experience, I guess. What can you do? The experience from standing in a line? It was fun. <laughs> I was, I mean, I was being sarcastic, but yeah, sure. I was waiting for the news vans to come and interview me like, sir, how long have you been out here? I was going to totally make up a story too. Like, oh, I've been camped out since 2 a.m. And all oh, that, but no, no one came. No oh, one cared. I really wish that would have happened because I would have played that clip. I would have found it on the news and then I would have played that clip oh, sure you would have. to intro the show. Yeah. Well, the there was funny thing was, is I was wearing a Cleveland Indians face mask. I was being COVID responsible. And so was everyone, by the way. Well, that's good. Um, there was not a single person in line that I saw that did not have a mask on. And we were outside. Um, but so the mask I had on has the Cleveland C. So it's a red C, right? Um, and two people walked by and said, go cards. <laughs> and I was like, it's just like, I was like, I hope someone like I do. I was like, and after that happened, I was like watching people walk by, seeing if they were looking at my mask. I was going to pull out my phone and record it. Like, good cards. I was like, yeah, get away from me, weirdo. I had, I had my, you know, my, my headsets in. So I was like trying to like, I, I, you know, I, all things considered socially awkward. I don't want people talking to me while I'm standing in a line in 30 degree weather. Right. So. Of course, so, people tried to by the go cards and all that good stuff. But so you, you, you had your uh, headphones in. Were you listening to Rogan? I wasn't, man. It's it's hard to these days. As far, I don't as far, like as, how he's as censoring as, every single guest on his show. Okay, so this is news to me. What, what do you mean? Like he's is he doing it or he's doing it because Spotify's making him do it? I don't know. And what exactly do you if mean by guess, what do you, what exactly do you mean by censoring? Okay, well maybe censoring is a bad word. He's fact-checking people that come on his podcast, which he never did before. And I thought it was one of the great things about the show. We're flying off the cuff. Now how is he doing We're that? Or perhaps he's making them stop and he's making Jamie Google everything. Oh my Every god. Every single thing. They so he had Tim Dillon and Alex Jones on a couple of shows back. He stopped Alex Jones several times ago. Now, do you know this? He goes, Jamie, look that up. And he's like stopping him. And he goes, no, we can't. We got to be careful. We can't say this if, and Alex Jones is trying to like, dude, just let me, let me do what I do. Like he didn't say it in those words. Alex but that Jones was would attitude. be like, dude, just. Like, I, I can't even believe that Rogan would have Alex Jones on. Like that is the guy that you do not have on. If you're, if fact checking is something you're going to have to do throughout the entire show. The amazing thing was this, man. I want to say that the first three or four times that he did do it, Alex Jones was right. Oh, that's good. And not only was Rogan, not only was Rogan calling him on it, but he was also calling bullshit. 
and Alex Jones was actually right. And I found that to be not only funny, but fascinating because how many times has he been challenged later on for saying something? Now he said some, believe me, he, he has said some idiotic things. However, how many times has he been challenged later on after he said something? And because he just didn't want to deal with it, he, he just let it go. He just let it kind of happen. And he was actually right. Right. Like the people that said, no, there's no way didn't actually do the research. And he was actually right. But because he just was like, I want to move on from this. He didn't call him on the idea that, well, maybe you should fact check me because I might be right. Because he said too, he's like, I'm so, you know, uh, what's the word he used? Um, ADD or whatever that like I say things and I know I'm not necessarily 100% accurate on what I'm saying, but he's like, I know that the information's there. Right. There might be bits and pieces that I've messed up. So he's fact-checking Alex Jones. And I was just like, oh, every time, like, and you could tell that even Alex Jones and Tim Dillon are like, all right, man, we get it. Can we just kind of, but that was what I loved about the show before was that he'd have whoever, I don't care who, and it doesn't have to be a guy like Alex Jones. It could be anyone. Something would be said. And if they were wrong, they were wrong. No one apologized. They didn't come back and look it up later. They just said it. Because guess what, man? No one's perfect. And you get five people in a room together for three and a half hours and they're talking. Something said is going to be inaccurate. Right. So we're going to stop every time now somebody says something that you're not sure is true or not and fact check them. So the when it happened that – so recently he had Luke Thomas on one of the MMA shows. And Luke Thomas was talking about fighter pay and he was talking about some article that this guy put out where they did some research on USADA and I'm going to fact check myself right now because I don't remember enough of the details of what he was saying, but Joe stopped him and he goes, now, are you sure about this? He's like, have you done your research? And even Luke Thomas was like, well, have I done, like, I, I did my research on the person who released the article. Yes. And they seem to be a trustworthy source. And he goes, well, what about, and finally Luke Thomas was like, well, no, I haven't. And then Joe's like, well, we got to be really careful about saying this. And I'm like, oh God. Oh, I don't like that this at is all. Not, this is not fun. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just let him go. Let him go on his rant. I understand it's irresponsible if they have a show like that. And then one of you or I come on this podcast and we regurgitate that information and it's wrong. But dude, that's such as life, such as media. You should always be researching where you're getting your information from. Right. When I hear things on Joe Rogan's show prior to this move to Spotify, I didn't take them to be a matter of fact. Like I wouldn't hear things and go get in an argument with someone and say things that were said on Rogan's podcast to them. Like I believe them to be true. I just found it to be interesting that the people were talking about it. Right. And if I, if I was found it to be interesting enough, then I did my research. That's called being media literate, which I know I think I've talked about on the show before. So like, why does it have to be done in the moment? Why can't you and Spotify just rely on the people that listen to your show not to be stupid? It's not Joe's job to monitor his, how, okay. It's not Joe's job to monitor how his audience interprets his show. His show is just his show. Yeah, but the no? the other thing too is like when I can understand him fact checking himself or or maybe towing a line better now since the stuff has gone on in the past or he's gotten ripped a new one for being wrong on stuff. I can see him towing the line a little better as far as okay, I'm going to make sure that I'm not spewing anything that I don't know is fact which still does take some of the fun out of the show, and I get that. But I think he should leave it to the guest to be, I mean, if they're wrong on their facts that they're spewing, that's on them. But now it's like Rogan's taking it upon himself that he thinks he's going to get reamed if somebody on his show is spewing information that's not correct. Yeah. And that sucks. It's not a show anymore. It's Spotify show now. Yeah, it's terrible. I don't like it. 
I have to imagine I that like Rogan. Does, I have to imagine that Rogan doesn't like it either, though. I mean, you signed the, you know, hundred million dollar deal, so right. It's just something he and we have to deal with now. But you know, um, you know, those it's, it's those... making it hard for me to to really. I think the MMA the MMA related shows, I'll still listen to. If he has a fighter on, I'll listen to it. A guy like Luke Thomas, you know, but the political, the political banter and the social justice banter and all of that stuff. I, it's, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I, it's just, it, I don't know if I'm interested anymore. I just think that the, the, the scope of what the show means when it comes to those things has changed. And I, it's just might be for some people, but probably not for me. We'll see. I'll keep giving it a few more chances. I mean, I knew with Alex jo- Alex Jones on that it would, there were something. I knew something was going to happen. Um, I don't know. It's a bummer. Yeah, I'm. What's kinda, the last episode you listened to of that show? God, I couldn't tell you. It's been a long time. But I don't. Really? I don't really have. I mean, I used to be a consistent listener, and just. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just not in a position like I used to be able to listen to my headphones at work and stuff like that. I'm not really in a position to be able to do that anymore. So that's kind of taken that away. So yeah. stuff that I listen, yeah. if I can listen to, I'm kind of trying to listen to more about maybe new, not politics, but like news or like current stuff, maybe stuff that we can talk about on the show and things like that. That way I can kind of kill two birds with one stone. Do a little bit gotcha. of po- a little podcast research and also listening to something I enjoy listening to. Yeah, I got. I get it. I get it. I, it. Like I said, it's. I'm still a fan, you know. He still has really good conversations with people, you know. You know, people have called him an interviewer, I guess, but. I don't. I don't necessarily see him as that, and that's also a reason why I like the show. Just kind of, but I think this kind of goes back to when I say he kind of lives in a bubble. Like he thinks all media now should be people in a room just having a conversation. Like there can't be scripted things that happen and there can't be this dialogue that's predetermined. And like, I get it. I like podcasts too, Joe, but sometimes that don't work. Right. Sometimes people can't get in a room and just have a conversation. Right. You know, but he's good at it. And that's why I like him. You know, you know, don't change that about your show, but he expects everything, you know, he expects TV to now be like podcasts. Like we're just gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna wing it. It's gonna be off the cuff. Right. He's experiencing now that, Hey, we can't just wing it anymore. Well, there, well, we, there's we that, but, the, but also like, giant. but also winging it as far as like having the, having good conversation that people want to listen to. Like, I think we talked about it before, uh, like when uh, Nikki Glazer was on his show, she mentioned that like over an hour of that show was cut out. Like them sitting there talking over an hour of oh, it was yeah. actually cut out of the show because it just wasn't entertaining conversation. And I mean, especially when I, I have to imagine it's not, I mean, I've, we have an interview show like the CEP is an interview, interview type show. I've never been an interviewer. I just learned kind of through conversation what, questions to ask to keep conversation moving and to try to stay entertaining so i don't know it's just it's it's not easy to pull great conversation out of everyone joe grogan is very good at it but some people it's just not it's just not easy to do i I get it I, i i'm with him like him i prefer this medium and i've done both i've been once upon a time i was on a radio show and when we had guests, that was my least favorite moment of the show. And I really hated that I felt that way because we had some really cool people on. And while I'm not a dummy, like I could come up with questions to ask, it was just, to me, it felt so forced. Now, if you get an entertaining person that can answer your questions with some sort of vigor and, and you know, charisma, then that's fine. But if they don't know what's coming, who you don't know what you're going to get out of a person. Right. So that was always my least favorite part of the gig. And it's just, 
I didn't like feeling that way. And I felt like the other guys resented me for kind of like tapping out when that moment of a show would happen. And we didn't have guests every show, but when that moment of a show would happen, I would always kind of take it, take a step back and kind of let everyone else kind of do their thing. Um, I, I, you know, maybe that's selfish of me and maybe it was just, I, I was lacking interest in the guests too, which perhaps is selfish as well, but what can you do, man? This is just, I just, this is easier. How, how did that work? Easy. Did, did you guys choose who you had on or was that like the, the, whoever owned the station or the radio show that you had, did they choose the guests you had? Oh no, we chose, we had to go out and get our own sponsors, our own guests. Okay. Gotcha. So, I mean, which is good. It, you learn a lesson in rejection and fuck in, you know, teaches you to be humble because people do not care. <laughs> they just don't care, <laughs> you know? Um, but I mean, we had some cool, you know, I think a, a largely we had some cool people on and I think people were rather receptive to the idea, but we weren't generally thinking too big either. I think when we did, it became difficult. And then there was this monitoring of, well, what are you going to ask? You can't talk about this. You can't talk about that. Like we had that one time with a girl. She was an Olympic like skier or something. But again, I, I'm tapping out. I'm tapping <laughs> out. I had, no, I had nothing. But she had like a, a, a publicist send an email of all the things we could and could not talk about. And I was like, well, fuck this, man. Like, I don't. And then there was the conversation with the guys. It's like, well, do we care to have her on? And, you know, well, we've already asked and they've already said yes upon these conditions. So we might as well. But then we had guys like Mean Gene Okerlund on. Oh, really? And that was unbelievable because he was a he was a maniac. He was just a lunatic. Um, so that was fun. And then, I, you know, we had like Brett, Brett Okamoto on you know, MMA guy from ESPN. Like, right. I had no problem asking that guy questions because I would ask MMA related questions that I would typically bring up in conversation with you. Right. You know, that was easy, but there were times, man, where I was just like, I can't, I don't know what to do. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't mean, know what to ask. Like we had a professional bull rider on once, man. I, and when I I'm telling imagine. you, <laughs> I, like, I've never, I've never wanted a drink so bad, like <laughs> genuinely a nice guy, but I, I just was, I was dumbfounded with some of the answers. Like it, it, it almost was like, we shouldn't have asked about bull riding. We should have just been like, Hey, what did you eat for dinner? You know, <laughs> like it, it was, it was bizarre. So anyway, I don't know how we got to that either, but oh yeah, Rogan. So I get back to what I was saying and I'll finish, I'll probably said it too many times already, but I get what he's trying to do with the whole conversation thing. I'm the same way. I like it. I don't consider myself to be a good interviewer. I probably never will be maybe if I worked at it, but, um, but I also like radio. I, I can listen to a radio show where the, the, the content is person being interviewed. Radio right. host is interviewing said guest. I think Rizzuto from the Rizzuto show is really good at that shit. Right. I think he's a great interviewer. Um, now, I don't listen to that show much. I catch it on YouTube live sometimes. It's typically when I listen. Well, the, the um, I mean, ra radio is a lot different because than a podcast in, in the fact that, let's see how I want to put this. So ra radio is different than podcasts because of the the amount of time that it takes. Like it, like you said, Rizzuto is really good at interviewing. He is, but normally it's maybe 10 minutes at the most that he's getting oh, these yeah. junkets with these people. And if you have a list right. worth of questions and you are good at interviewing, you can knock it out of the park with most people. But as you said, he's probably getting a list beforehand of can't talk about this, can't talk about this, can't ask questions about this from publicists and stuff also. 
and oh, I get sure. and I get that from the guest standpoint because it 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 takes it off their shoulders of thinking, okay, well, I might be asked questions that I re- about something I really don't want to talk about or I really don't feel like sharing. So I I, mean, I, I get it from their point of view, but it's also hard for an interviewer because you know there's questions that you really want to ask that you know would make good entertainment, but you can't, you just can't. I mean, there's no, if you want the guest, yeah. you have to abide by the rules that they put in place. So. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um, it does make it more, uh, uniform, which, you know, some guys are good at following the, you know, the, the format. Actually, they're trained to do it, to be honest. All those old school radio guys. Yeah. I don't know about any more. So I've been so out of it, but, um, I got on a radio show because I thought it was going to be like a podcast. And at times it was, it was just conversation. It had to be somewhat monitored and kind of had to keep it to set amount of minutes and all that work in sponsor, all that good stuff, but like reads and all that jazz. But, um, so yeah. Um, well, well, I'll have to see, like I said, I'll keep giving Joe Rogan a chance, but I'm kind of bummed with the direction that it's heading. The MMA shows will be easy for me to watch because there's just with the UFC and MMA in general, there's a ton going on. Did you watch Anderson Silva's swan song? Uh, no, I read up on it, but I did not oh. watch. I didn't get to watch it. It'll probably bum you out. Don't even watch it. Yeah. Uh, the, the biggest thing that bummed me out was Dana White's take on it afterwards and saying that he never should have let Anderson Silva fight. God, he, and he, man, he, he doesn't does, know when he, to stop. He doesn't that, huh? care, does he? He, that's, that's why he is who he is. And the UFC is doing so well. I'll be honest. Yeah, but God. he has his own. If you were afraid what people thought of him, or if he was afraid to say, speak his mind, the UFC would be in a completely different state right now. So he, the, it's a well-oiled machine and he has a lot to do with it. And him having a lot to do with, has a lot to do with the fact that he gives zero fucks about what you and I think about what the, yeah, but, <laughs> he doesn't, he but, doesn't care, but there should be a line there. Like I understand that I and, get I, it. and I get it 100%, get it. but there should be a line when it comes to the people you employ. Like if you were, if the company that you work for, if the CEO was bad mouthing you and other people that you work with all the time, like he would be fired, which they do, which they do. They just don't do it on national television. Right. They're not going to go like in front of a television and tell millions um, of people. I never should have let him come into work today. He, he's a, ter- you know, he, he did a terrible job or, you know, whatever it's, that's, it's crazy. You're right. But there's a reason there's a Dana White's contender series is because if you don't like it, he will replace you. Yeah. All of these prelim cards are filled with guys he's pulled from guys and gals from the contender series. Right. And guess what? Those fighters are flourishing. Those fighters are doing well. They're getting fights and they're not saying a fucking word, man. They're keeping, they're keeping their mouth shut and they're appreciating the opportunity. Now, when they get to a level as some of these other fighters who have been in the UFC and doing it a long time, perhaps they'll stop, you know, being as uh, carefree about it, but, He's, he's proven that if, eh, if you don't like it, then fine, you won't fight. And I'll just find someone who will, you know? Right. That's why it's a good business model. He's got, you know, he's got, he's got the next guys lined up, ready to go. If everyone on the Dallas Cowboys goes on strike tomorrow, what does Jerry Jones do? You know, does he have, does he have people lined up to play? Perhaps. <laughs> I mean, they got a practice squad, but it's going to be, it's going to be a bad situation. So, uh, you know, that's what makes the UFC unique and, and interesting and just completely different than any other team sport, you know? Yeah. So, well, there's a card this weekend. Who, who's our headliners? You said Tiago and Glover? Tiago Santos and Glover Teixeira. God. A 36-year-old and a 41-year-old. Number one and number three in the rankings. The winner could potentially be the next to fight for the title. How insane is that? Uh, I mean, 
Tiago hasn't fought since he lost to John Jones, so he should be fresh and ready to go. You know, I mean, he's 36, but okay, he's so, looked really good in his last five fights. So, so the news Glover, the news we're hearing is that Izzy is moving up in a weight class to fight, Jan. to fight Jan. Yeah. So you're saying that the winner of Glover and um, what's his Tiago? Tiago, sorry, lost it. Uh, the winner of that fight will face probably the winner of Jan and Ooh. Izzy. Ooh, don't expect that. No, 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 no. If Izzy beats Jan, he is fighting John Jones for the light heavyweight title. I am laying that down now. I will put up so hard-earned you, money against that. So you think Glover would be, or Glover or uh, Tiago would face the winner of that fight? Jones maybe. or Izzy? You just you just maybe, said it would set maybe. you just said it would set the winner of that fight up for a t- possible title shot. So it's got to be one of those two potentially. fights. Okay. I said potentially. Okay. Make no mistake about it. If Izzy and Jan fight and Izzy wins, John Jones is taking his ass back to light heavyweight to fight Izzy for the title. Trust me. It's all it's all it's all in writing already, trust me. I guarantee it. There's a contract somewhere. They're ready to sign it as soon as it needs to be signed. Trust me. Would and that to be honest could, with you? Could, if, if they stack that card, let, let's say, let's plan this out. Let's say that that Izzy beats Jan. Now we're set up for John Jones and Izzy. And we stack that card. Does that break pay-per-view numbers? Like records? I think it has, mm-hmm. poten- I think it has potential to be up there. It does. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it would be good if there could be fans there. I think that would help the allure. That's true. But um, there's, there's, there's the thing that you could do on that, and I'm glad you said that, is you could, if Jan loses to Izzy, which I don't necessarily think he will, I think that's a sh- fucking tough fight for yeah. Izzy or John Jones, to be honest. Right. Um, but if he does lose, you could put he and Tiago Santos on that card if Tiago beats Glover, because there's already a built-in storyline there because Tiago KO'd him. There's already a built-in storyline. If Tiago wins on Saturday, okay, there is a built-in storyline there for him to be the next challenge for the title. But is it sexy enough? Is it sexier than Izzy moving up to challenge for a second belt? The answer is no, unfortunately. I like organic stories like that, but the casuals do not. Izzy has a name. He's probably top three most popular fighters in the UFC right now. So yeah, it's it's a better storyline than Jan Tiago Santos too. Even if they play Tiago KO on him on a loop for three months, it's still going to draw more numbers. That's just the the nature of the beast. But I'm I'm looking forward to any of that. Any of that, what we just said. I'm looking forward to Izzy Jan. I'm looking forward to the fights this weekend. So have, I'm looking forward to John Jones, Izzy, John Jones, Jan. As far as Izzy goes, have you heard? Is he trying? Is he trying to play between two different weight classes, or is he just strictly moving up? Like he's going to end up having to no, drop that title. Okay. Dana White said he's going to do both. He said there's no reason for him to vacate the middleweight title right now. So. Okay. Yeah. Could be neat. Um, he said a, Robert a, Whitaker would, would have been next, but he said Robert Whitaker said he didn't want the fight. So, Oh, really? That's what he said, and Robert Whitaker didn't necessarily say that, but that's Dana manipulating the situation to right. the way he wants it to be. So, He needs the storyline to be a certain way. <laughs> he's, he controls the narrative, man, or he does, he does his damnedest to try. I can say that. Um, yeah. But I, I'm looking forward. I, I'm excited to watch Tiago and Glover go at it, man. Glover's the ageless wonder, man. He's unbreakable, man. So we'll see. And think about this too. The last time he challenged for the title, Glover, that is, he fought John Jones at UFC 174. I want to say that was in 2014. So imagine if he fights for a title six, seven years later at the age of 41, potentially the age of 42, you know, because he just turned 41. But by the time this all unfolds and they say, all right, we're going to give you a shot, he could be 42 years old. 
if he wins, he's got to win on Saturday. Otherwise, it's you know. But if would he be the know, would he be? Wonder what the oldest champion in the UFC has been. Randy Couture. And how old was he? He was well when he won the light heavyweight title. Um, when he fought Chuck Liddell, he was forty years old. So then he won that heavyweight title when he beat uh, Tim Sylvia, I believe. Yeah, he was forty. He would have been forty-two. I want to say. Oldest light heavyweight champion was Randy Couture. If Glover fights, he could be the oldest, potentially. Again, this is all potential, but. Well, the really important question is, have you fact-checked everything that you've been saying? Nope, and I'm not going to. And on that, (laughs) we can close because i got to get out of here anyway. So I've said what I said, and I'm not taking it back. All right, well, let's get out of here. We're out. We're out.